0: Good morning, Bridgeway. I invite you to bow your heads with me as uh, I spend a moment in prayer. Hey God, I just want to thank you so much for today and the day you've blessed us with, the beautiful day that you've blessed us with. And I thank you so much for filling your place with this presence that's so evident to me this morning. I thank you for your incredible love, God, that covers us, that covers all the sins, that, uh, that brings us into salvation, allows us to show this love to other people, God. I, uh, I pray that this morning, as your, as your word is shared, God, that it would be fruitful and that, uh, that your voice would be heard in this place and that, uh, that people would be blessed through it. In your name, in the name of your son, Jesus, Lord, I pray. Amen. So, it's a beautiful Sunday to be here, and I'm really glad to be up here once more to bring you the message before I head back to Saskatoon for school. In all of the passages that I will be reading, I will be mostly be reading from the NIV, but I do have a couple of verses from the NLT scattered in here and there, just to make things interesting and keep you on your toes. So, when Darren asked me if I'd be willing to preach this Sunday, I asked him what I was to preach on. And to my delight, he said that it was entirely up to me. So, I picked one of my favorite topics and something that God has placed on my heart for probably the last two years of my life, evangelism. And, as many of you know, I am involved with the Power to Change group in Saskatoon. And so I'd like to start by sharing a story about evangelism from a P2C student from another campus and their experience on a missions trip to Denmark to highlight the diversity and power of sharing God's love. I really like stepping into the shoes of another person, said one of my team members after I asked his reason for coming on the Denmark trip. When we entered the church, the interior was no different than a normal Canadian church. There was a welcoming atmosphere and comfortable blue-gray chairs lined up in perfect rows. Normally, the service is in Danish. Fortunately for us that Sunday, there was a guest speaker who spoke English, and for that reason, we did not have to sit silently in our chairs while our brains tried best to decipher the Danish language. The speaker grew up in Iran and was a devout Muslim, but now follows Jesus. After ending up in prison for illegal travel with a fake passport, he found Allah to be less merciful than he claimed, and it was at that moment that Jesus appeared to him in his cell, offering mercy and grace. His story was powerful because even though he sought Allah with adamancy, he never found the peace, assurance, and mercy that he was desperately longing for. In contrast, most Danes who follow Jesus know the love God has for them, yet remain timid and afraid to share it with others. Gently, but bluntly, the speaker exhorted the Danes to not harbor their faith in the privacy of their homes, but instead live it out boldly. I realized that this message could equally apply to Canadians as well. After the church service, I had an opportunity to meet some Danish youth at a local lunch hosted by the church. Our goal was to build trust with them, and to seek understanding and their perspective on faith and life in Denmark. To see the world through their eyes. I met M who I invited to meet up for coffee later that week. I was struck by her deep faith in Jesus and her genuine heart, showing me that God's love is indeed working in the hearts of the Danes. When I met Em on a Tuesday evening with one of my team members, I didn't know what to expect. How would we be able to encourage and inspire her as a Christian to share her faith with her friends? When she saw the two of us, she immediately rushed to us and gave us warm hugs. She took us to a place she regularly visits called the Round Tower. We climbed to the top of the tower and the sight was breathtaking. We could see the entire city of Copenhagen all around and the sun setting cast a warm light over the buildings and the church steeples in view. I asked them if we could pray together over the city of Copenhagen as we stood on top of the tower. We prayed and God's presence was evident. Em prayed in Danish And I felt so encouraged that a Dane was praying for her people. We ascended the tower, and as we went to one of her favorite coffee shops, Em shared with us her story of how she started to follow Jesus. As a child, her parents sent her and her sister to church alone. Growing up, Em and her sister continued to attend church. And one day, they both understood the truth of the gospel and began to follow Jesus. Her parents remained non-believers, and thus occasionally the religious differences can cause conflicts in their home. Fortunately, Emma is able to take her mom to church often, despite her father's refusal to talk about God or anything related to faith. She greatly desires for her parents to experience the love of God as she has, and it's painful that they still don't know him. But as she experiences Jesus every day, she is comforted and strengthened to persevere in her loving family and share her faith with them. As we sat with her and prayed together, I felt so encouraged by how, through sharing her story, Jesus was inspiring me to share mine. As Mona shared her experience of Jesus in her everyday struggles, I was moved to follow and love him more. When we went to meet students on university campuses in Denmark, our goal was always to build trust and genuine friendship by listening to them. We trusted the Holy Spirit to help us discern how to share snippets or appetizers of our own experiences or stories with Jesus that were relevant to them. As I connected with students, there were moments where I felt too eager to speak or correct a person about something they had said. And God would gently whisper to me, listen, just listen, and let them speak. He taught me to value the experience of listening to people's stories, to understand and accept them wherever they were at. As I listened, God would give me insight into the person's heart and show me not only how to share Jesus, but how to pray for them as well. It was in Denmark that God showed me that there's no such thing as an empty story. The experience we have, no matter how messy or how broken they seem, can redeem and integrate into his grand story. He uses our experiences to connect each of us intimately and meaningfully. When we make known to people the power and redemption of Jesus Christ, we are not following some cunningly devised fables, but through our stories, we are witnesses of his story and of his majesty. 2 Peter 1 Peter 1.16 Even though the church speaker came from an Islamic background in Iran, and M lives in Denmark, and I am a Zimbabwean who lives in Canada, the power of God's story, the gospel, brought us together. There is power in sharing our stories, because we can become vessels through which God uses to express his love and tender care to people. I want to invite you to to courageously share your story, because it's a powerful opportunity through which God will diffuse his love to the people around you. It brings glory to God when we share about how he works in our lives. Evangelism is something that we all know about, but something I feel we don't talk about enough as a church, and an area that the church in Canada can fall short of, myself included. According to a 2011 National Household Survey, over 7.8 million people identified themselves as having no religious affiliation at all, none. That's a staggering number to begin with, nearly 8 million people. And that doesn't include those who practice one of the many other religions in the country, or those who affiliate with a religion, but don't really practice at all. And that's just Canada. We've got the rest of North America, Europe, Asia, Africa, South America, Australia, which kind of confuses me, because I feel like New Zealand should be on the same continent as Australia, but it's actually all Oceania, but then there's something called Zealandia in there, and it's just all very confusing to me. But anyway, We know there's a huge need for Jesus. So what does the Bible say about evangelism? Well, first of all, it's pretty clear that God commands us to share his word with others. It's all over the New Testament. Mark 16, 15. He said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Pretty straightforward. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, to the very ends of the age. The Great Commission. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into the wonderful light. Preach the gospel, make disciples, and declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into the wonderful light. That is God's command. One of those passages from Peter and the other two straight from the mouth of Jesus. There's a reason we call it the Great Commission, a command to spread the word of God to all people of all nations and show them the love that propels us all into good, to teach Christianity and to tell of the wonderful gift of salvation. The sacrifice of Jesus that covers all of our sin and shame so we can live forever in his presence with no more pain, no more sorrow, suffering, and bask in his glory. The last time I was up here, I brought you a message about peace. And every time I think of the incredible peace and the incredible joy that comes through a relationship with God and the indescribable beauty of how John describes heaven in Revelation, I can't help but want to share that with other people. But the command to evangelize isn't just in the New Testament either, after Jesus came. It shows up in the Old Testament as well. Psalm 105, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, and make known among the nations what he has done. That's essentially repeated in Isaiah. When God repeats things, we know it's important. Isaiah 12, verse 4, in that wonderful day you will sing, thank the Lord, praise his name. Tell the nations what he has done and let them know how mighty he is. So we know it's commanded, and we know it's important, but what are some other things that we need to know? Well, there's a lot, and I would like to be out of here in a decent time, so I'm sure most of you would like to be as well, so I can't share everything about the Great Commission. You could do a whole series on that alone. I am, however, going to elaborate on what I believe are the four key points in sharing the gospel, evangelizing. First, God blesses the church through it. This is true from the time people started following Jesus until now, and it will be true until Jesus returns again. God blesses those who follow his commands to make disciples, and he blesses the church when they do. Mark 8.35, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. According to Got Questions Ministries, loses his life refers to a Semitic phrase to trifle away one's life. It means the loss of life, or it means the loss is caused by foolish actions, not accident or happenstance. Life is from the Greek word root word, suki, and it means, sorry, I'm not Greek if that was wrong. It means the breath of life, but it can also refers to one's soul. Some are called to sacrifice their lives for Jesus in the gospel. Many of the 12 disciples were martyred, we are to accept that martyrdom is a possibility, but not to seek it out. God will honor those who give up their worldly lives to follow him. And as an extreme example, when Stephen was being stoned, he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And the martyrs will be honored during the tribulation. Persecution, in whatever form it takes, is something all Christ followers should expect. But I will add, we can also lose our souls by trying to save them. The Bible is clear that salvation is through grace, by faith, and we are completely incapable of doing the work that would save our souls. To try is to reject Jesus' offer of salvation. And without Jesus, our souls are forfeited. The life of a Christ follower is filled with little deaths as well. Some kind of persecution is likely. If other family members are not saved, you can expect a rift in relationships when trying to share that love with them. But the Bible promises compensation. Jesus calls those who listen to him his family and will give rewards in heaven to those who are persecuted on Jesus' account. God blesses those who lose their lives for the gospel. Mark 10:29 29 and, uh, and 30. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions, in the age to come eternal life. God blesses those who share the gospel and blesses the church along with it. But verse 30 says, along with persecutions, which brings me to the next point. It isn't always easy. Sometimes it is. Sometimes God puts you in a circumstance and a situation where it's easy to share the gospel and show his love, and where the message is uh, very willingly accepted, Think back to Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. All Philip had to do was ask the Ethiopian eunuch what he was reading, and the Ethiopian eunuch basically took the conversation from there, and he accepted Philip's message, and he was baptized later. That seems pretty easy. But sometimes, however, it's incredibly difficult, and this comes from two main reasons. One, you may have to take the first step and put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And two, you might face persecution or opposition during or afterwards. Now, I'm bringing up a lot of well-known verses that we all learned in Sunday school, but I think they're working, so here we go again. Jonah, in chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He really didn't. And he didn't just ignore it or go grumbling. No, he actively ran away in the opposite direction. It isn't always going to be easy. You always aren't going to want to follow the Lord's commands to evangelize. But we can't flee from the Lord. The thing about the story of Jonah, though, is that the Lord commanded him to go to a specific place at a specific time to preach the gospel. And that can happen. But God's command is simply to share the gospel. And that means that sometimes, most of the time, we have to go and make that first move ourselves. We also may face opposition, which seems discouraging. But take heart. It's an encouragement. I, should say, I shouldn't say we may face opposition, sorry, that is wrong, we will face opposition, and that's almost certain. People like to be understood, but they don't like to understand. Psalm 4, 1-4. to The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Peter and John took Jesus' command and went and shared the gospel in the best place they knew. And they faced opposition. In fact, they were arrested for it. But, backtracking to my previous point, even though they faced opposition and persecution... And in spite of all of that, they presumably didn't even get to finish what they were saying. The church was blessed. The number of men who believed grew to 5,000. That's a huge victory for the kingdom of God in the face of opposition. It's not always easy. And with the opposition, you need to be able to defend it, and to defend it biblically. You need a solid foundation. Books by Christian authors are great. I'm reading a really good one by Heather Holloman right now. Listening to your favorite Christian speakers or podcasts or tuning into your church's uh, service or coming to catch it in person is good too. And that's really important for other reasons. But to share the gospel, all you need is a solid foundation. I've used about nine different passages so far to share with you. And they've all come from this book right here. And this is all you need to show God's love to people and to spread his word. Yes, you can read a Francis Chan book, and yes, it's going to be helpful. But don't think that you need to be read up on all the latest literature. You don't need a big, fancy study Bible to seem more religious, okay? This is the starting point and the only requirement. Go to church on Sunday, listen to the pastor's sermon, fellowship with other believers. But if you love God, you should want to share him with everyone, and you can do that with this guy. But that being said, you need to know what's in here. Titus chapter 2 verse 1, you however must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Chapter 1 of Titus ends with a discussion of false teachers and the first verse of chapter 2 brings the focus back to Titus with the command to teach with sound doctrine. Now this is the second time that Peter tells Titus of the importance of sound doctrine and he mentions it to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1 as well and you know what it means when the Bible repeats things. When you teach others about the gospel, it needs to be theologically correct. Along with that, both the passages take sound doctrine to mean both a way of teaching and a way of living, which contrasts to sinful living and sinful teaching. Along with having a sound theological base, you need to be prepared to defend yourself in times of opposition. The defense of your faith, however, needs to be truth, and that comes from studying the word of God. And the truth needs to be shared with gentleness and respect, as is sound doctrine. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And my last point, something that God has really been personally showing me is that while you need to observe his teachings, you don't need to be perfect. None of the guys that we read about in the Bible were without flaws. They were sinful before Jesus called them, they were sinful while they followed him, and they were sinful after he ascended into heaven. Now, this is a tricky one for me to talk about because you don't need to be perfect but you should try. But if you fail, that's okay, because we are covered by the grace of God. Our sins are forgiven. But that doesn't give us a free pass, but it gives us the confidence to know that our sins are covered by Jesus' sacrifice. You don't need to be perfect like Jesus to share his gospel, his glory, and his love to share your story. God commands us. He blesses the church through it, and it's not easy, but you do need a solid foundation. But, you can start today, so I challenge you to do so. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, to the very ends of the age.
1: Surely I am with you always, always with you. The last verses of the book of Matthew, and what do we see in the first couple chapters of the book of Acts? The giving of the Holy Spirit. Surely I am always with you. I will always be with you. So go make disciples, and I'll be there. As you share this hope that you have in Jesus, He's with you. As you use the gifts the Holy Spirit has given you to reach out to other people, He's with you. He has equipped you for this. This is love. This is grace. This is forgiveness. This is kindness. And this is the reason for the hope that you have, for the forgiveness that you've received, for the life that He's promised you. How do you not end this service with a little Revelation 21? Man, that's my favorite chapter. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, I saw new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne and it was saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he'll dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, crying, or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Behold, I am making all things new. Father in heaven, this is my prayer for your church family, that as they reflect, Lord Jesus, on this life that awaits us, a life, Lord, with no separation between you and us, that the hope that they have in you and your promise, Lord, and the the equipping from your Holy Spirit would give them confidence and courage to share their faith with other people. That, Lord, the story of the gift that we've received the forgiveness that we couldn't earn or deserve. That should be a story that we want to tell each person that we run into. Not that we're better than them. Not that we're more intelligent than them. Not that we've achieved some sort of a righteousness that they haven't found yet. But that we've received the greatest treasure that ever existed. And it's there for them too. And we don't care sometimes. We're perfectly fine keeping that treasure to ourselves and I... I sometimes, Lord, am perfectly fine keeping that treasure to myself and not not even having the courage to say to someone, would you like it too? It's changed my whole life and I don't have the confidence to say, would you like it too? It would change your life. Lord, forgive me for my lack of boldness my lack of courage for the people that I run into each day. I don't even bring you before them. Father, as we leave this place, I pray for a movement of your Holy Spirit over your church. For the people watching at home, I pray for a movement of the Holy Spirit in their life. That, Lord, as you send us all across this city and across this community, that we would carry the hope of the gospel with us. That people, Lord, would encounter us in our lives and they would see Jesus and they would say, that is something I desire. Hope and peace, forgiveness, security, love. Love. And would, Lord, we be faithful to share the treasure that you've given to us? Would we share that great love with other people? Would revival, Lord, begin inside of our hearts? And Would your kingdom one day be filled with people who experienced your love, Lord, because we loved you and you loved us first? So, Lord, dismiss the church this morning with your blessing and dismiss them, Lord, with an equipping of your power that is beyond their ability, that is supernatural. Jesus, this is our desire and our hope. So we pray, Lord, with confidence and encouragement. In your name, amen. All right, church, you got work to do. Go have fun.